0: Secrets of the Sire.
1: Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to Secrets of the Sire. We talk comics, movies, TV, and pop culture every Wednesday at 8 p.m. Eastern, Sire Studios Digital Network. That's secretsofthesire.com. Facebook.com slash Secrets of the Sire, and YouTube.com slash Secrets of the Sire. I am your host, Michael Dolce, alongside my co-host, Mr. Hassan Godwin. On tonight's episode, we review the genre-bending, kid-friendly Shazam, which debuted to better-than-expected box office. Plus, we pitted against its counterpart, because why not, Captain Marvel. And we welcome Dr. Stephen Hall, contributor to Sequart's new verse. To help us preview the new Hellboy movie, and as always, we go spinning the racks. As I mentioned, I'm your host, Michael Dolce, Mr. Lord of the radio himself, Mr. Hassan Godwin. How you doing, sir?
0: I'm doing all right. Today is a, <laughs> is a, is a, is a good day. You woke Happy up, Happy right? birthday to our friend, uh, Deirdre, our friend, mutual friend. Friend Deirdre to the show, Brooks. Deirdre
1: Brooks. Yes. And, uh, all right, so this, this is a day you've actually kind of dreaded, not as much as you will dread going to see Hellboy. Uh, but you were not excited to see Shazam when it first came out. Uh, it was not on your list of films that you really were like dying to see. You didn't enjoy the fact that every single movie right now seems to have this humorous mm-hmm. approach. Walking no, out of the no, no, theater no, no, no. that
0: wasn't the, um that wasn't that wasn't the main reason okay. the main reason is like i don't I don't mind humor. humor is fine. Um, you're a cold uh, man inside, yeah. Mm. <laughs> That is true, though. Um, but but not because of that, right? The the um the problem is it just he just he does the, the it looked ridiculous like he yeah. looked ridiculous in that suit. Yeah. Now maybe the, that that turned out to be kind of a gag in yeah. the film, but he kind of it, it kind of and I just like these movies like you have we have movies now with um you know you have these really incredible heartfelt movies like the uh, Guardians uh-huh. of the Galaxy or just uh, you know the incredible like you know soul crushing movie like uh you know infinity war mm-hmm. right so and then you also have movies like for you know on the DCU uh side aquaman and and wonder woman where the stakes are incredibly high and there's a lot of you know this epic you know battles and and emotional stuff so when you which is which is not a problem when you drop it down to this uh you know this this kid friendly kind of these kids friendly atmospherics that's not a problem. Right. But it's not, it's also not that exciting. Sure. Up, up against these, you know, these high stakes uh, franchises that, that are going on. Yeah. So it didn't look exciting. I knew I was going to go see it. Yeah. I, I, I left out, uh, uh, you know, I held out a lot of hope that, uh, that in spite of it, you know, it not enticing me uh, visually sure. that I would still enjoy it. Uh-huh. Um, and so, you know, I didn't go in there to hate watch it. I really didn't, and I don't mind humor. I just I said all that to say I don't I really don't mind humor in the movies. I like I love Thor Ragnarok, Uh you know. I love the Guardians of the Galaxy. I like humor. It it it, unless it's in a Star Wars movie done by Ryan Johnson. (laughs) Very very true. Yeah. So that 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 will. Scruffy looking
1: nerf herder. Good humor. Yes. (laughs) Ryan Johnson. Bad. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I got
0: a phone call from your mom bad humor in a Star Wars <laughs> Star Wars film. But all right. Um, so that so that wasn't really the problem. Mm-hmm. Now, if you're so, going to ask me about how I felt about the film,
1: I am I way, am I'm
0: sure we're going to get to that,
1: right? I'll pref yes, uh, I'll preface this by saying I had different expectations than what you mentioned. This oh, you kid, this movie is sandwiched between <laughs> and <laughs> sorry, Dr. Stephen Hall, who's our guest uh, coming up next. I don't even really think about Hellboy as as one of these movies because I feel like it was so rushed and into production and, and under promoted at the exact same time.
0: Rushed into production, under promoted, and also projecting very low. Oh yeah. Projecting oh, yeah. lower than the than the two Del Toro movies. Yes. So, so what was the point? What yeah. The, well, okay, never mind.
1: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I so got I l- of contention for that. I really, I really looked, looked at Shazam before going into this movie as. It was between Captain Marvel, which had a lot of hype and buzz, plus it was, you know, Captain Marvel is the precursor, prequel, you know, storyline to Endgame and Endgame. So I looked at, you know, when you go to a wedding and you have your, you know, the cocktail hour, and the cocktail hour is, is, is awesome and it's great. And you have your, like, your first course, which is usually it's a pasta dish or something. And then mm-hmm. before they serve the main course, what they'll do is they'll give you a little palate cleanser. You know they'll give you like some sherbet or some lemon sorbet, something that is like you eat it and you go, "This is really good." I'm excited that I got this. I'm glad I got this. I don't. I'm not planning my whole evening though around lemon sorbet. Lemon sorbet. my. I'm planning my evening around the main course, which is Avengers Endgame. So that's what I kind of thought Shazam was going to be. It was going to be this enjoyable movie, la di da. What I got hmm. out of it though was, I I gotta be honest with you, I was so pleasantly surprised with how much I enjoyed the fact that what they were trying to do was speak to my inner 10-year-old and not just in the become a superhero thing because that to me was expected because that's what all the promotion was. What I thought was very interesting about it though was the world building it created and it felt to me a little bit, you know, when especially when they're when they're wandering through the labyrinth in their quote unquote lair and they're opening all the doors to these other worlds, I literally thought I was like, this feels like an '80s movie to me. This feels a little bit like a Goonies or a little bit like a, a Big Trouble in Little China with the with the crazy, you know, uh, designs on these characters and. It felt like something I would watch in the 1980s. The movie Explorer. It felt a little bit like Explorer, you know. Um, is, that the, is that the movie I'm thinking about? River Phoenix, um, the one when they build the spaceship. I think it's called the Explorer. Oh, well,
0: Flight of the Navigator.
1: No, no, not, no um, not Flight of no, the Navigator. I think it's called the Explorers. Maybe,
0: maybe. Yeah. And it's they, not Flight of the Navigator. And they, bil-
1: bil- you know, they build the junk. Uh, they build the spaceship out of junk. And again, I'm not saying it's like that it just, it gave me this feeling. It gave me a feeling like I was in Temple of Doom a little bit, uh, like I was in Raiders of the Lost Ark. I was, I was, there was this ancient temple and you're learning something and you're learning this mythology. So that to me was the most pleasant surprise about it where now it gets upgraded from being just a palate cleanser between Captain Marvel and Endgame to being something of substance that I was not expecting. what 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 about you what did you what did you take away from this movie
0: um i enjoyed it uh i thought it was i thought it was fun um i really did the, the the funny thing is i was more compelled by the the interaction between the two leads between um yep uh and I
1: forget their names. Uh, because Billy I Batson and Freddie Freeman.
0: Yes, Billy Batson and Freddie Freeman. I don't. I don't. I'm not familiar with the, um, uh, the Shazam comic book.
1: Sure. No, I, I'm not too familiar, but I do remember uh, Freddie being in there. I do remember Billy Batson. Obviously, I actually more know Shazam because of like, was it Kingdom Come or was it Dark Knight? I think it was Kingdom Come, and they kind of have him in there, and and it's a dark version of 14 year old Billy who's gone crazy. Um, I, I believe it's Kingdom Come, the graphic novel with Mark Wade. But go on. Yeah.
0: Yes. That—that's the last time I saw Shazam. I right. was like, Hey, I remember Shazam. <laughs> I remember the TV show. Right. Because I used to watch that—that that, um, questionable uh, TV show. But um, all right. So I—I I really liked them. I especially like Freddie Freeman. I think he was—he was yeah. really—he was really, uh, really stand out. Yeah. And it, you know, and sympathetic. It's mm-hmm. very important for you to have like sympathetic characters. And even Billy Batson, who was the lead, mm-hmm. who was kind of disconnected from the rest of the family and yeah. reluctant to inter- engage with them, mm-hmm. he was still sympathetic. They managed to do that without making him obnoxious. Yes. Um, when when he turned into Shazam is when it kind of just becomes schlocky to me. Mm-hmm. Like, you know. But it it's fine. I enjoyed it. It's another origin story, which I'm just sick to death
1: of, you know. But wait, let me me hang on that point for a second. One of the things I actually liked about the origin story is that they actually gave it room to develop. A lot of films these days, and and this is something, again, I kind of go back to that 80s movie feeling. There was room to breathe because in the 80s, we didn't have cell phones. We weren't short attention span theater. I mean, I'm sure our parents thought we were short attention span theater compared to the 50s or 60s, but... We were in short attention span theater, and it gave room for a story to kind of breathe and grow. I was actually really happy with the fact that at least in this origin story, you know whether or not it was compelling or not, I uh, you know that's going to be subjective. At least it had time to develop and kind of build itself out. To, even the, even when he got his powers too, it it allowed it allowed that to kind of build itself out. It wasn't it wasn't this 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 and this. It felt to me like a nostalgic type of storytelling we haven't seen in a lot of movies these days. If you say so. I I just did. I know. It's very exciting. That's that's not how I felt. (laughs) But you know what I'm talking about though, right? I mean, you you understand that the, like, I get what
0: you I get, I get how you feel about it. Yeah. But no.
1: (laughs) That's only good for the show.
0: I don't, re- I don't disagree with your, with your assessment of how you felt about it, but I just, right. like, for me, it just kind of crawled, you know? Okay, and, so it was, know. so it was too slow I mean, for you. No, I mean, look, this, it just, I've just seen it before. Yeah. It was great, but I've seen it before. You know, when it, when it comes to stuff like this, mm-hmm. it, it, you, know, you always wanted to kind of transcend a little bit. Into like okay yeah it started off to be this uh this origin story with this you know this kid and this Mm -hmm. you know this 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 young man becomes an adult. They also didn't do a lot with that, which is um to me kind of like a missed opportunity, you know, because they could have done a lot of I'm you know for not only am I am I adult, Mm -hmm. in a you know they could have done a lot of the juxtaposition of. what it's like to be a child with no agency in your own world, you know, especially like being an, a, a foster kid. Sure. Um, so you're a child. Nobody takes you seriously. You don't, you don't have any freedom to yeah. do any, whatever you want, you know. And then suddenly you're an adult, and now everybody just gives you a pass, you yeah. know, because you could, just walk, you could just go here and there and walk into anything and do anything. They kind of did it a little bit with the security guard scene where right. he showed up and then you know okay. suddenly suddenly it was all right for the kid to 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 cut school in the middle right. of the. but they didn't really do a lot with it mm-hmm. so there's there's a lot of things where i thought they were going to do certain things or they were going to they were going to they were going to utilize the um um the, the 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 dynamic of him becoming a a man like you yeah. know a, and they did they did a gag with a strip joint and they did a, <laughs> they did the security guard gag but they didn't really they do a beer lot gag.
1: the beer gag was cute too
0: yeah they, yeah and it, yeah which is fine you know it was really quick but it was fine um so it it just it just really just it seemed like it was afraid to be exactly all the things it could have been um and that you know because because it's a, because it's a really rigid genre the the superhero genre is very rigid because we've yeah. got so many of them now yeah there's so many of them have to you know to check a to, to to check off a box, right? If if he wants to to be considered a, a full uh, superhero genre, so it it was so it, it seemed like it was so afraid to not have a, a lot of these box checks off do- mm-hmm. checked off that it didn't do a lot of the other things that it could have done.
1: Well, that, that's you actually know? funny you mention that right because to me the stuff that I really enjoyed about this film geared more toward the fantasy element the. Uh, the backstory of the different gods and goddesses. And that, to me, was the most appealing part. The rest of it, to me, I agree with you, actually. The superhero aspect of this film was not the most enjoyable thing for me. Uh, the most enjoyable thing to me was this like mythology that goes behind everything that we're watching. The other thing I thought was really funny, and I, and I do agree with you to an extent, of what it was afraid to be. There were certain parts to this where I'm sitting there going, my God, I would love. Now I, I don't have an eight-year-old son, but the eight-year-old in me, you're like, I would love to show this to my eight-year-old. You know, opening doors to other worlds, and 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 and, and, and you know, it felt very family friendly. It felt very kid friendly. Then all of a sudden, it's like you got some really disturbing things going on. I'm like, I wouldn't show this to my eight-year-old. <laughs> I'm, not, yeah. I'm, not well, showing, yeah. I'm not showing. I'm not showing. People's heads getting chopped off and See, that's you know, the stuff like I that. kinda
0: liked. That it. it was it wasn't afraid to it was like very British in that way where it's like you you got kids, it's kind of a kid friendly movie, but we're not gonna shy away from the fact that sometimes things are really to can can really suck for kids. Yeah, you know, like Harry Potter just killed off people like nobody's business, you know? Yeah. And they, like yeah. nobody was safe in those stories. Yeah. So and even the kids, even the students. I mean, they killed off a bunch of teachers. But then, you know, those last two movies, they killed off a whole bunch of kids. And and everyone was fine with it because it was, a, you know, the, the genre had been uh, teasing that to you yeah. for, the, for the previous, like, seven or eight movies.
1: And I also think the span of seven or eight movies spans enough to where the kids who were watching it and growing up with it grew up with it to the point where it's not, you know, now they're teenagers. I mean, obviously it doesn't account for... New readers who might not be of that age, but again, I think I think it, you know it lends. Yeah, your itself stakes, to
0: that. your your stakes in a story have to be high. You know, yeah. I mean, even if you you don't have to be graphic, but your stakes right. have to be high. You can't really just kind of, I mean, it, it it makes for better storytelling if your stakes are high. So if, right. if if you walk into this thing, you might not be able to walk out of it. Is you know, is 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 very compelling drama, right? So which which is fine, and and I thought it. Look, I enjoyed the movie. I think it's a fine movie. It's right. the same as with Captain Marvel. It's just—it's only just oh, okay. It's another one of these. You know, that's how you got your powers. All right, All right. All right. i get you. All right. I also, you know, this is the this is the trial of your sure. like, of this movie. Like you know, you got okay. Here's a guy you got to fight. Here's a bad guy you got to fight. He
1: was—he was, and, he was ec- at times excellent and at times I Mark got Mark Strong is always by him though. He, no, I'm saying he was excellent at times, and then at times his character I kind of got a little bored with by the end. Uh, I, I like that. Spoilers here, guys. I like that the demon that he kept inside him was envy, because that at least was very consistent. Uh, I, I feel like, and we've talked about this before. You know, we needed a cross the streams kind of moment uh, where where we knew he he would do something to defeat him. Uh, pulling envy out was actually a a, a decent attempt at Well, so that's
0: what I'm talking about. Like, it it, it it, hit a lot of, it hit, it was very, it was very interested in hitting superhero tropes. Yeah. But it didn't hit, it didn't hit a lot of the, the kid adventure tropes. You know, yeah. like Goonies and like Stranger yes. things where the yes. kids get together and they study the enemy. Now, once, you know, spoiler, mm-hmm. once he brought all the other, his, his foster brothers and sisters into the, the mix and they all, Yes. You know, they all decide they, they you know, they all all found out that they were in on it and they, they knew that uh, Shazam was Billy Batson. Yeah. Um, that's a great opportunity for them to all do that like, you know, that that, that classic research montage right. or whatever of right. what they're like. I mean, you don't have to do it exactly like that, but the kids could play a more active role in it. Yeah so that when you spoiler again, when you turn them all into superheroes at the end, yeah. that's an added bonus. You yeah. Know? Yeah. So it's, it's, it missed a couple of beats that it could have hit. Um, yeah. the, the, the story with Billy Batson and his mother is very, I think, I thought that was very well done. Yes. You know, where his mother, you don't, you know, in any entire story, you don't know what happened to his mother. Right. Um, up until he just discovers his mom. Yeah. And and you find out oh she she, she bailed on him you know yeah. and that's and that's a that's a that's kind of a heartbreaking reveal you that's, know, a, that's, that's, just,
1: another, that's that's another that's another yeah that's another moment too where I I do agree with you that they kind of missed a little though in the sense that they really could have played up at the beginning this idealized and they did it I'm not saying they didn't I think they could have upped the the effect of him uh, you know through her memory
0: over over idealizing the, the relationship. right like if they,
1: like they really over like she was smiling and she was laughing and she was wearing this great outfit i mean they could have really done that up and then when you see her version of it maybe she's not wearing the same outfit you know what i mean maybe it's like mm-hmm. you know it's got holes in it because she's got no yeah, money because she's got uh, no money and and she's i mean that, know,
0: yeah th- i mean that would have been great for us yeah, you know, I think I think that might have been too much detail for 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 an average audience. I mean, maybe not, but well, I, mean, the, I mean, it, it, it depends been... how
1: you execute it. It depends on right. how you execute it. I think there, I think there's something there where you could uh, could really have played that up and and because as a as a parent myself, I'm you know the first thing I said to my dad was, "How the heck is she, How the heck did she even not realize he not holding her hand right now? Like, I mean, I know it happens, but yeah, you know, no, but
0: I mean, yeah. I mean, look, it's it's Hollywood. It's done very yeah. Hollywood, you yeah. know. But and so, I mean, what what I was talking about before about them helping him mm-hmm. out with uh, you know research and stuff like that—they're the ones who found his mom right. for him. So right. I think there's a thing where you could have done more with the fact that yeah, um, you could have done more with the fact that he's not engaging with the people who and and but they really want to be part of his life, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So they could have you know, there could have been a lot of situations, a lot more of them reaching out and him yeah not not rebuffing them, yeah. but just not trusting it. You know? Right. I I totally understood that. And they and I think they did that successfully. I think they I think like I said, they made him um standoffish, but they didn't make him obnoxious about it. They did yes. you know, they Yes. I mean and you know, you got these two foster parents who are extremely over idealized mm-hmm. foster parents, right? And it's really in this mansion <laughs> in this McMansion mansion <laughs> that they live in, right?
1: Well, to be but, fair, Philadelphia dirt cheap. Everything's dirt cheap in Philly.
0: Well, okay, fine. But um what I'm saying is um it's 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 credible that he yeah. would not trust them because yes. they're too nice, you know, yes. after all these other all these other like disaster situations that the, the foster uh, the, right. the you know child services have put him into. Right. So it, that worked. Right. What, what didn't work is as soon as he saw his mom and as soon as he just, and I know you can't linger on this because it's a damn superhero movie. You got yeah. get a whole bunch of other things I know. to deal with. I know. But as soon as he saw his mom, he was like, oh, you suck. Uh, and I got to go run back to my foster family who are, they could have, that could have been more of a heartfelt sell, uh, selling yes. point if they had done more with the foster family trying to reach out to him. Yes. You know? Yes. Um, yes. So that, so that you're like, okay, finally he's on the same page, and now he comes yeah. back, and he mm-hmm. could have come. They could have done a great scene where he comes, like a, a really Superman, um, Superman two kind of situation, where the whole movie you're waiting for him to show up because uh, General Zod and yeah. his uh, minions are, you know, wrecking stuff, tearing yeah. everything up, and you're waiting for Christopher Reeves to just drop out of the sky and like and like uh, curb stomp one of these guys, yeah, and. When he finally does, you're like, okay, we're gonna get a show now. Yeah. So when Billy finally shows up, even as he gets his butt kicked, because he doesn't know what he's doing, they could have had that great moment yeah. of him showing up to save his his real family. Um, like I said, great movie. Like a you know really good movie, good solid movie. Very, I enjoyed it. I didn't. I watched it. and Didn't hate that I that I'd spent my time seeing it. It just didn't. Just didn't reach in far enough, right? I think. And so, um, you know, you got movies like uh, I'm sorry, I could, uh, the, you got movies like Thor Ragnarok, where it seems like they reached as far as they could to pull sure. to pull, you know, a lot of insanity and and you know, in, in, in you know, kind of zany action out of the genre. And so now you're now we're kind of we're a little spoiled, and now we're watching stuff that kind of runs home and, well, it's, and you know, it's stays by the simplistic.
1: numbers. It's yeah. By the numbers. This one was by the numbers. Okay. Here's a couple of comments uh, from some of our faithful uh, listeners. Brian Abraham, I thought it stayed true to the character, and for maybe 90% of the film, I really liked it. I thought the ending uh, was cheesy, and the final battle was a little too long. I felt they left a lot to be desired with the family reunion. Felt rushed and unfulfilling. Danielle yeah, Solzman. Yeah, so, oh, you and Brian Everham agreeing? Uh oh. Stay <laughs> watch. No, I out. don't.
0: I don't agree with him. I just said that's what I said. Uh, but see now that now that we both
1: said it i i take it back <laughs> <laughs> you love the movie daniel Solzman, <laughs> solsi at the movies uh Shazam is a fun superhero movie go check out uh, her website and her review uh page bass my 9 and 11 year old boys liked it a lot i think it's aimed at aiming at a younger audience than most superhero movies which uh most, is good most
0: definitely most
1: definitely. Um, Michael Mamano, it was awesome. It actually made me a little angry because between Shazam and Wonder Woman, it's clear DC knew how to make well-written, entertaining, character-faithful movies and just chose to turn out films after film that were dark adolescent nihilism. Yeah, well, you know what? When we when
0: this hysteria
1: passes and everybody gets over
0: themselves a little bit and revisits, I think they're going to find a lot of the DC movies weren't bad, with the exception of Justice League, which is which is a blatant attempt to carbon copy the Avengers. Yeah. The, uh, the other movies were trying to do something and they slipped up considerably.
1: <laughs> and and on, on... failed. No. Batman no. v Superman failed miserably. No. To that's... Okay, to you to me. Well, I'm trying so, I was
0: trying to make a point, but okay, that's
1: fine. That they were trying to do something different and it just didn't and they slipped up. Is that is that the point? We'll never know now. Oh, I like <laughs> because
0: it. Cuz I'm, because I'm not telling you.
1: Good tease. <laughs> uh this is a comment though that we got on the Facebook feed that I thought was really interesting. Again, go to facebook.com slash secrets of the sire. Alicia uh, Davis, past guest. Uh, she is a working stunt woman and actress and um, she loves the show. And we love her. It was better than I thought it would be. Went in with low expectations. It's a good family superhero movie for young kids. It was fun, but not earth shattering. And then I, I wrote back, I said, Shazam, greater than Captain Marvel or better than Captain Marvel. And She wrote, that's hard. Uh, Shazam never really took me out of the moment like Captain Marvel did due to poor music choices, which makes me really mad. I have to think about it, but gut reaction is Shazam might edge forward due to that. They are so different though. I wanted to love Captain Marvel, but it ended up being more of an information story to get ready for Endgame. Shazam only ever called itself a feel-good family superhero movie, and it did just that. On those bases, on those bases, me fail English, on that basis alone, if you're putting Captain Marvel up against Captain Marvel, <clears throat> Shazam, which, one, which one do you give the edge to in terms of the experience? What do you mean?
0: In, in, terms, of, uh, uh, in terms of the entertainment value?
1: In terms of the entertainment so the, value before you I, walked in versus when you walked out and I'd your gut feeling.
0: I'd say they're on par with each other.
1: So you're going equal to, Shazam, equal to Captain Marvel.
0: They, neither of them breaks new ground. Neither of them really, yeah. you know, shatters the earth at all, you know? So then after, after that, it's just a matter of preference, right? It's just a matter of that binary bull crap. So, you know, um, and, it, you know, they're, they're different stories. So, yeah. like, comparing them, the only reason you would compare them is probably the Captain Marvel aspect of it. And yeah. also in an attempt to flame war. Your way through, uh, you know, clickbait heaven. Yeah. But uh, there's um, there's no comparison to the two of them. They're two completely different movies. They're both really tepid in their own way. Mm-hmm. You know, they're they they're both really reluctant um, epics. Yeah, is what you could call them. Like they, you know, they could be epic, but they just don't reach. Yeah. For the for the epicness, you know, they don't they they hold a lot back. Mm-hmm. And so it just be,
1: it becomes a preference after that. Yeah, you know, I I, if I have to go gut, I'm actually my head would go Shazam and my heart would go Captain Marvel because I, I do think with what you said, there's more to Captain Marvel, especially being a prequel to Avengers Endgame. It's part of something larger. Shazam, though, in my head, I have to give it to Shazam because I sit there and say this is another DC movie that that defied my own expectations. And that delivered something that wasn't, you know, a horrid drudge mess that some of their previous films have been. So head goes to Shazam, heart goes to Captain Marvel. I still won't say that Captain Marvel is a great film. Uh, and And obviously I'm not saying Shazam is either, but I think there's potential in the sequel to Shazam and there will be because it took in a very better than expected 53 million and it's opening box office is doing very well internationally. So there will be a sequel. I think you can really explore the mythology and I think you can keep it family friendly in the next installment and explore something new uh, within this quote unquote superhero genre. All right, chime in. Let us know what you think. Uh, We're on the YouTube channel. We're on the Facebook channel. Uh, We'll try to get on Twitter as well too, to, Reply to your comments. Did you A, like Shazam? And B, is it better, worse, or right on par with Captain Marvel? It's namesake. When we come back, we will be interviewing Dr. Stephen Hall. He, of the Magnoliaverse Hellboy Compendium, uh, he is gonna give us a lot of insight and preview to a film that, according to many, should not even be happening. When we Hi, everyone. This is Michael Dolce, host of the Secrets of the Sire radio show and podcast. And welcome to our Patreon launch event. To date, we've interviewed actor Kevin Bacon and rocker Chris Cornell. We spent a wacky week with a real housewife and played Love It or Shove It with a comic book icon. We've debated which TV shows everyone should be watching and channeled our inner force comparing Rogue One to The Force Awakens. And that's just the beginning. Become an executive producer and get an exclusive feed inside our studio before and while we air. Become a program director and receive our exclusive show outline with insider details on topics and guests hours before we go live. Or just be a fan, and for a quarter of broadcast, we'll sing your praises on the interwebs every week. So if you like pop culture, movies, TV shows, and graphic novels, this is the Patreon page for you. Welcome back to Secrets of the Sire. We do this every Wednesday night, eight PM Eastern, streaming live on the Sire Studios Digital Network. I'm excited to be joined by Stefan Hall, uh, he of the wonderful new Hellboy Magnoliverse Hellboy and the comics art uh, book that that just came out, Compendium. Yes, Giant. It's,
2: it's, it's awesome, right? Yeah. It's, it's, a, it's a
1: it's physical and digital, so. Oh, I love it. You've got your swag. That's that's what yeah. I like to see. I like to see swag uh, presented uh, in person. That's what I, I – I, I have to, you know, get a free copy myself.
2: Uh, well, it's always a thrill when, you know, you see something in print, right? Yeah. It's, we do so much digital, but I think the, the analog artifacts that are still a big part of our life are
1: important. Yeah, and you can hold it. I mean, it's just there, – there's, there's something nice about it, kind of the uh, – Uh, The record player vibe, something like that, you know, you you definitely.
2: And I think with comics in particular, you Mm -hmm. know, there's a big trend towards digital comics. I know a lot of people who read comics that aren't in the United States. This is kind of an easier way for them to get comics. Uh, It's maybe a little more affordable, but a lot of those comic readers, I just don't like. (laughs)
1: They
2: They want to move you from panel to panel yeah i want to be able to do that myself and yeah. turn it around so comics are a very interesting medium that really i think
1: is still so linked to its physicality
0: in a lot mm-hmm. of ways
1: yeah. Uh, so talk to us about the book itself. I mean, is it is it a collection of the comics? Is it is it a, a, like an encyclopedia of Hellboy? Like what what is a reader what would a reader expect if they pick up the book? I think what they're going to
2: find when they pick up the book is that it's a bunch of chapters mm-hmm. that everyone is orbiting around the idea of Hellboy and the comics art universe of mm-hmm. Mignola and the the various incarnations and forms that that has taken. So sure. it's Hellboy-centric, and uh, I think it's really there's maybe one other monograph uh-huh. uh, that was done about Hellboy and sort of the, the universe, uh, the verse. Okay, yeah. And this is really kind of the second sort of run at that... Um, and looking at the different uh, the different forms that that takes, so the different entries if it's Hellboy yeah. or it's the BPRD, yeah, and really trying to look at the ways that the character has been interpreted mm-hmm. in a number of different formats. So my chapter is all about Hellboy video games, which okay. one would think. Oh, Hellboy, you know, everyone wants to play Hellboy or be Hellboy. Yeah. So many great supporting characters Sapien, mm-hmm. Liz Sherman, uh, Roger, um, Johan, and it would be a great squad, you know, mm-hmm. multiplayer type game. And the ways that, un- unfortunately, they haven't done a very good job Yeah, bringing that universe to life. Uh-huh. And it is such a rich universe that mm-hmm. he has established and letting other writers, other illustrators play mm-hmm. in it. People do prose work in it. We yeah. have the live-action films, the two del Toro films. The new sure. one comes out uh, uh, this week. And then the animated yeah. works as well. So mm-hmm. a lot of great stuff.
1: You know, it's funny you mention that, too. I mean, when I think of Hellboy, I really think of that seminal, like, original run uh all the way back when Dark Horse kind of was joining in that uh, image launch, you know, of creator owned books, you know, they kind of put their hat in the ring with Frank Miller Sin city. And then, you know, obviously Jeff Darrow was part of it. And then uh, Hellboy was, was the, was a, I think the major installment actually, when it comes to that universe that they tried to kind of create, you know, piggybacking off of kind of what image was doing at the time, you know, is there a, Another definitive run. I mean, I, I mean, again, I, I just immediately I think back to that original run. Is there an, is there a second run that you can think of that had the same kind of impact that that original run did?
2: Of of Hellboy or yeah, of yeah, Hellboy, like, no, well, Hellboy, yeah. You know, Seed of Destruction was mm-hmm. was very important mm-hmm. in terms of establishing uh, the character and a lot of what we know. And if you go back and read it now, Mignola really. L- foreshadowed a lot of things with that character yeah. mm-hmm. moving forward. I mean, here we are at the end of the cycle and not to get too spoiler, spoiler but, uh, some spoil major, characters, you know, <laughs> come back and, and Hellboy's back from the dead and, mm-hmm. and Rasputin is back. And yeah, you know, we're sort of seeing everything that he set up at the beginning has kind of really come full circle. Now I think for, Readers, if you're a long-time reader or you're mm-hmm. just getting into Hellboy, there are so many cool reveals. There are so many incorporations of mythology and folklore mm-hmm. into Hellboy's story yeah. that uh, it, it's, it's extremely significant. So I would say pretty much every Hellboy story is important in its own way. Yeah. After Seed of Destruction, almost Colossus. Okay, yeah, I is remember a, that one. It's a, a very significant entry, I think, because it really kind of shifted some d- dynamics in the character. hmm Then um, the storm and the fury mm-hmm. really kind of took that that storytelling almost to its to its sort of paramount. Yeah. In terms of what it was going. And then everyone's like, well, where are you going to go next? And then we got, <laughs> we got Hellboy in Hell, which was supposed to run a lot longer than it did. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think Mignola just found himself tying up a lot of story threads yeah. more rapidly than he had anticipated, but it's always fun to go see, you know, the Hellboy or the BPRD mm-hmm. 46, 1947, 1948 and the way right. they backfilling the stories in and creating a, a
1: richer sense of continuity. Yeah. Now, what is it about the Hellboy character in the world that, Mignola created that, you know, makes it appealing to reboot the character as a, as a movie. I mean, what, what do you think is, is, the, is the catch uh, of Hellboy to want to, you know, not only reboot the character in a movie, but essentially, you know, Del Toro's movies were seen as like, uh, and they're held to very high esteem within the comics community. So, mm-hmm. so there has to be something about Hellboy himself that makes studios think, yeah we want to take another shot at this uh, what what do you think that is that that it factor of it is
2: well when when the first couple Hell, uh, Hellboy movies came out and even I would even put the put the animated ones in because they're sort of around the same yeah. time you know the 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 superhero movie really mm-hmm. hadn't shown up yet yeah and so this was still sort of a underdog type of foray mm-hmm to this particular genre. We had had superhero movies all along. sure. You know, they were really more cultish. Mm -hmm. And Hellboy, uh, if you think of something like Mystery Men, which I think is a really great superhero movie, but it's an oddball one, right? It's Uh not Batman and it's not Captain America and things like that.
1: Yeah.
2: Hellboy had a bright world. Um, People didn't have a lot of preconceived notions about it. Uh Uh-huh. So I think that those Del Toro movies actually did bring a little bit of readership um into the book. Sure. And Del Toro already had a good reputation for doing kind of horror esque uh, sort of things. He definitely had his own vision for the character. Mm-hmm. Now I think with the new film coming out, we're we're what, eleven years into the MCU?
1: Right.
2: Uh, it's like you know, we've got three, four, five major superhero movies a year, and it's it's a good time to sort of revisit this character. Mm-hmm. He's got name brand recognition. Yep. And I'm very interested in the way that they've decided to make this film an, an R. Oh, character.
1: see, that was my next question. Yeah, that was my next question. What do and, you think the impact of the R-rated is going to have in terms of the storytelling? Well, it's going to – I think it's going to attract – Maybe a, a
2: that teenage audience that wants mm-hmm. to see an R-rated movie. You know, when sure. you're, and you couldn't quite get an R-rated movie. So, um, but I was I was musing on the um, uh, one of the Hellboy forums. Mm-hmm. Kind of is this a Deadpool effect, right? So are we seeing of course and Logan and, and Logan, right? So we're yeah. seeing a, a mat- there's a mature audience for R-rated superhero movies mm-hmm. and. This Hellboy seems a little more irreverent. Mm-hmm. Uh, he seems to want to throw some quips around more. Uh, Hellboy's always had that kind of that that humor vein to him built into the character. Yeah, uh, but this one seems a little more salty, right? So that's why I was thinking more Deadpool than Low. Yeah. Although I, you know, the sizzle reel just got released a couple of days ago. Mm-hmm. So our last taste. Uh, before we see the whole film. So I'm going to be very interested to see what this particular vision is.
1: Yeah, you know, unfortunately the buzz for the movie is actually not very good right now, at least what we're hearing. And I I wonder if it's part marketing, if it's part, you know, the sacrilege of of taking on the Del Toro uh, legacy, especially now that he's an Oscar winner too, forget the fact that uh, he's also just a renowned creator. Of many different genre films, including like Pan's Labyrinth and things like that, uh, do you think the do you think people are in for a, a good surprise? Uh, do you think it's going to actually, you know, do well and kickstart another Hellboy franchise? Or, or uh, I know we're a whole kind of hoping, uh, but what, what you know? What's your opinion on the box office?
2: I, you know, it's it's kind of interesting. My local movie theater mm-hmm. is deciding not to show it in IMAX. I'm a little surprised about interesting. that. Interesting, okay. I'd, I'd have to go to a neighboring town to see an IMAX release. They, mm-hmm. they decided to keep Shazam. And this was yeah. for Shazam's big you know, surprise box office. Right. And so I think they're looking and they're going Shazam, you know, PG-30, uh-huh. yep. Hellboy R, mm-hmm. and it's just it's a different sort of thing what I would say to people who are familiar with the character, either through the Del Toro films or the animated films mm-hmm. or the comic books is go into it with an open mind. Mm-hmm. You know, Mignola has been very, very clear the whole way that um, the narrative universes for each media property are very distinct. Yes. Okay. These whole, you know, the comic book is sort of the Genesis. Sure. Really look at, these comics and this prose and the del Toro films, the animated films, this new film as really separate things. Okay. So invariably the comparisons I think are going to happen. Yeah. Um, I, I think a lot of people really respect the del Toro films because he did bring his vision Mm -hmm. along with Mignola's vision and kind of gave us a new iteration or new interpretation of the character. Uh, I would personally love, I, I think a lot of people would love to see Del Toro finish the trilogy because he right. set it up. Now, I, what, I, what I would suggest to Ready? anyone listening to this, including Dark Horse and Vignola <laughs> and Del Toro, is crank that third script out and take a page from the Gospel of Joss Whedon. Let us see it as a comic book.
1: It's a good right. idea.
2: You know, Whedon has continued Buffy mm-hmm. and Angel and and Firefly in comic book form. So at least give us the storyboards, you know, crank it as a full thing. Let us see what your vision was going yeah. to look like. I think that would be an interesting way to kind of uh, keep, the, keep the franchise going.
1: I think that's a a, a really smart idea. Uh, what are your predictions for the story and, and the characters? I know, um, you know, we're seeing some characters we hadn't kind of seen in the movies yet. Jumping into this film, you know what uh, what characters should we be on the lookout for in this film?
2: Well, um, let's see. We've got Alice, Mm -hmm. who is the love interest in the in the comic books, but she's been turned into an agent, I guess, uh, a a BPRD. Maybe you know, (laughs) tough to say. But she seems to sort of been recast a little bit. And and uh, Harbor had an interesting quote something about, well, you know, Hellboy's love life, he's kind of like this, uh, you know, half-demon thing, and so it would take a really supernatural sort of lady to be able to handle his love. Sure. And I thought, wow, that's an, that's an odd, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but I think it says something about the way he's looking at the character yeah. versus the way that uh, Pearlman, uh, yeah. has done, for example. So, you know, that's an interesting thing.
1: Now, Dan- Daniel Dae Kim was cast uh, now in this film, and that was there was a big controversy in terms, yes. of, you know, his character. What what should audi- what should the audience know about his character? Um, uh, you know, the the controversy obviously was the whitewashing of of uh, the original character, and then they right. ended up recasting. Uh, and Daniel Dae Kim, who's very famous from Lost and uh, Hawaii Five uh, Five O, uh, kind of kind of assumed it. So. Uh, Who is he playing, and and you know what's the significance of having an Asian American actually representing uh, this this character?
2: Right. Well, so he's Ben Damio, mm-hmm. and uh, in the BPRD, we find out that Damio was involved in an op, and uh, he's ex special forces, mm-hmm. and gets damaged by a Jaguar sort of deity. Mm-hmm an incarnation an avatar maybe and so he he's sort of a, a were creature of sorts i think in the film he's going to be much more of a were jaguar okay the sort of mystical type of thing that he was and we we really saw him mostly as this sort of tortured human in the book yeah right so they've made him a more magical supernatural Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, character now I've got to laugh a little bit about the the controversy just slightly. Uh-huh. Yes, they originally cast an an Anglo actor mm-hmm. in this role, and Daniel Day Kim. I, I I think he's a phenomenal actor. He's been great in everything. Mm-hmm. I think it's sad that he departed Hawaii Five O mm-hmm. kind of the way he did. But you know we've got a Korean playing a Japanese descended character, so. It, we're still not getting, you know, we're eating uh, <laughs> peoples together. We'll we'll get it all. We'll get it all sorted out at one point in the future, and and everyone will be play play nice. But my sense from the teasers and the trailers and the sizzle mm-hmm. reel is that they want us. To, they want to show us a more wondrous, yeah. supernatural world. So we're going to get the giants. We're going to get the wild hunt. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're going to get the the fairy realm, ostensibly in there somehow, and uh, and 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 make it seem like that this is, you know, the threats that are there are are much more intruding, okay, the real world than sort of the clandestine way
1: it was at least in the Del Toro film. Sure, well, that's, I mean, it sounds it sounds more appealing. Than the marketing they've done for the film, <laughs> your yeah. description of it.
2: <laughs> well, you know, I mean, they—they they, they, again, they're they're talking to the wrong people. Probably, yeah. right? they should add some focus groups and and done some stuff with the fans. And it's you know, it's the age we live in yeah. when the first Del Toro films came out. The internet, eh, it was still,
0: mm-hmm.
2: you know, it was like a a young teen. It was like a tween at yeah. that. You know, now the internet's grown up and well, know, <laughs> right? it's, it's an unruly
0: teenager,
2: right? And People get on and start. I mean, even when the first, you know, the casting decision, yeah, announced and and they, you know, not going with Perlman and this huge curve mm-hmm. over everything. And and sometimes fans just need to trust the creators, sure, and, and let it come to its germination. The wonderful thing is, uh, you know, if you don't like the movie, go watch the movies that you like, or go. Yeah read the graphic novels that you like or write your own Hellboy story. <laughs> Have that fan fiction out there on the internet. I can't say I've really read a read much Hellboy fan fiction. Come to think of it. I'm sure that it's, it's out there. I don't.
1: I I'm sure it is. Oh, out
2: for it. Oh, I'm and sure I it really is. Like I'm going to type it in and I'm going to find some, you know, crazy thing that someone has dreamed up, but there's some really great. Uh, stories, I think, told in the world Mm -hmm. to care about the characters. I mean, when, uh, you know, Roger died and everybody, I mean, they were so heartbroken because you really came to be invested with that character. Mm -hmm. And how many creators can, can say, you know, they've got that type of reaction from a fan base. I think that's a yeah. real testament to the quality of writing. Yeah. A lot of, I mean, I was attracted to both Mignola's art because it was, it was very different. Yeah. So the writing of the story mm-hmm. and as other artists were brought in mm-hmm. the thing that kind of, cause I, you know, some of them I like better than others, but it was really the, it was the writing that kept bringing me back over and over and over again so probably once i could get a copy of it i'm going to read the script okay the film and see okay if i was just reading the script what would i have envisioned you know yeah. is, this, is this am i seeing what i'm sort of seeing the way that they put it together yeah and that's a that's another interesting thing to for fans to consider i think
1: so real quick you, when when uh, we, we were lucky to, to have you on the show and, and, and oh, thank you so for much. the show, uh, you, were, you were hailed as a Hellboy expert and a scholar of video games. What is a scholar of video games and how do we become one?
2: <laughs> well, you know, it's, you can see on the wall behind me, this is like my, whole, <laughs> my Ari, uh, collection back there. Video games is one of those, one of those things. It's, it's because of the nature of the medium uh, much like comics you know uh, mm-hmm. we, we recycled early comics they're, they're printed on pulp they're sort of falling apart yeah so uh, you you kind of become part archaeologist part historian and as an emergent medium a lot of video game game design programs at the university level came out of either computer science or mathematics, uh, mathematics department Okay. Now, since about the year 2000, we're starting to see more standalone. Uh, The one I teach in at High Point University was created in 2008, so we're 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 kind of established, I guess, in the (laughs) sense around for 11 years now. Um, People, kids, everyone wants to play games. They want to make games. Uh, I would say, you know, there's a lot of great software out there that you can learn to make games there's a lot of great stuff that you can learn to draw and script comic books right. as well. And it's really, um, a very collaborative, uh, both, both media are very collaborative. So very uh, cool. it's, it's, it's a, it's a fascinating field to try to capture uh, as, <laughs> as things age out. I mean, unless you have an Atari 2600, you can't play these games, but if you go into, you know uh, the uh, great libraries there in Europe, and you can know, uh-huh. off a Gutenberg Bible and still read it, right? So, right, uh, that's I, I'm, true. I'm, I'm hoping in 500 years from now,
1: people will pull off <laughs>
2: you know, a nice, lovely library edition and and read it. They'll,
1: they'll just they'll probably complain it. about the graphics at that yeah,
0: point. Yeah, they'll be like, "Oh, this, is <laughs>
2: you know, now we just beam it into our frontal lobes and 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 live the live the
1: whole thing." Stefan, uh, tell folks where they can get the uh, *Magnoliaverse* Hellboy and the Comics Art book and tell us where they can find you online.
2: Okay. Uh, you can get the book on Amazon.com. It's uh, published in conjunction with uh, uh, SecWart. And get the print version or the Kindle edition. And if you want to find me online, I am uh, Grog the Slayer on Xbox, PlayStation, and Steam. And you can also find me at uh, S Hall. That shall you shall remember my email address, shall <laughs> at
1: highpoint Very cool, Stephan Hall. Thank you so much. When we come back, we go spinning the racks. Welcome back to Secrets of the Sire. We do this every Wednesday night, 8 p.m. Eastern, on the Sire Studios digital network. Uh, that includes, in addition to downloading, this as a podcast on iTunes and iHeartRadio and Google Play. It also means that you can see us on YouTube.com slash Secrets of the Sire, Facebook.com slash Secrets of the Sire, and Patreon.com slash Secrets of the Sire. As always, I want to give a shout-out to our uh, patrons, uh, Craig Caruso, Einar Peterson, Matt Beyer, Ashley Haikai. Omar Morales, program director, Stephanie Dolce, and as always, our Uber fan, uh, Christina Dolce. I want to thank our guest, Stephen Hall. Uh, tremendous insight into the hellboy Mignola universe. Go check out Sequartz. Uh, I guess it's Sequart is what he said. But uh, And find out how you can become a scholar of video games. That's the thing that I think is the most amazing thing. He teaches at, uh, I think it's High Mount or High Point uh, University, and he is a scholar. A video games. It's, it's pretty impressive. All right, we do this every week. We go spinning the racks. Spin the
0: rack, spin the
1: racks. Avengers Endgame breaks box office pre sales record in only six hours. Just like that, snap, Fandango's box office record was broken. Avengers Endgame managed to rack up more first day pre sales than any other film in the company's history, beating previous chart-topper Star Wars The Force Awakens. The new list uh, of pre-sell winners from Fandango is Avengers Endgame, then Force Awakens, then Last Jedi, then Rogue One A Star Wars Story, and Avengers Infinity War. Do you notice a bit of a trend? Uh, We've never seen anything like it. It's truly a groundbreaking accomplishment, as fans simply kind of wait to see how this epic saga comes to a close. Uh, Not all things went smoothly, of course, Uh, Fandango, Uh, was actually out. (laughs) The AMC Theater ticket sales page also reportedly failed, and Regal Cinemas and Adam Tickets had issues as well, so it basically crashed the website. Hassan, are you surprised at all that it is the top-selling pre-sale of all time?
0: Not even a little bit.
1: Not even a little bit, right? This is not not even even like news. Did you get your tickets? Yes, I have my tickets. I also got my tickets, so we... Ah, that's
0: that's a difference from last night.
1: Yes, well, you know it's uh, yeah. look. It, so I you took look.
0: my advice and you went and got and went to get a ticket because you were like callous about it last night. You were like, "Eh, I'll find a seat." I, I that's just nonsense. I <laughs> see
1: movies at odd times though because mm-hmm. uh, this great job that we have allows us to do that. And uh, so my dad and I will go at nine o'clock in the morning on a Tuesday, there the you day go. before. You still we do got your power. ticket. But why did you
0: why did you pre-advance buy a ticket? You were like, I just have to show up. Oh, I have to do a show up, and those motherfuckers will let me in. Bing,
1: bing. <laughs> ah, now we're explicit. See, you know, every, you know, every time I have to do this, I have to be. Plan. I have to choose this or that. All right, we, we brought up things anyway. We brought up <laughs> Avengers Endgame because we are going to be doing an awesome Avengers Endgame event uh, that is related to this podcast. And to our Wednesday show, and it's going to be related to Free Comic Book Day, all rolled up in one. We're going to announce that next week. Uh, again, I want to thank my guest, Stephen Hall. Go check out Secwart's uh, Magnoliverse, it's on Amazon. Uh, go check out Shazam. Uh, it's yeah, it's better than Captain Marvel. I, I just have to say it. I have to say no, it's it. not. I have it's to not. Say it. It's not. It's not
0: better. Slightly. It's not. It's not better at all.
1: Slightly. Better. It's a
0: different movie. Anything is better. It's like saying that, that vanilla is better than chocolate. That's ridiculous.
1: It's just a preference.
0: <laughs> it's just a preference.
1: Actually, polled, They just actually had a poll. Vanilla is still the top, the highest uh, rated ice cream flavor.
0: All right, it's next a preference thing. So you're next, you're you're a dunk off.
1: Next <laughs> week, uh, whether you wanted it or not, Hellboy returns, and we give you the full skinny on the latest installment of the Magnolia film franchise.